G'day guys, my name's Chad. Uh, welcome to Blue Collar Perspective, first episode. Here we go. I'll try and get this one done without disruptions and emails coming through or phone calls or text messages. I'm recording this on my phone, so again, very unprofessional. Not, not Certainly not professional. I'm, um, yeah, my first episode, first exposure to do this. Um, but looking forward to it. So hopefully I can get some good points across. And some people listening, if, if there is anyone out there that willing to listen to it, get something out of it. Uh, first things first, like I said, name, Blue Collar Perspective. Surely it speaks for itself. Um, if you happen to listen to my trailer, you might have a bit, a bit of understanding of what it's about, what my podcast will be about. Basically a working man's opinion um, my deliberation on what's happening in the world at the moment. Um, yeah, because I'm entitled to it. Um, I'm entitled to have my say, as is everybody else. Um, we don't live in a dictatorship in this country, thankfully. Um, there's some things in that that I'm going to say about Australia, but, you know, good and bad. Um, but first and foremost, I'll get it right out of the way that, yeah, it is the best country in the world to live in. Um, I'm a proud Australian and, um, yeah, happy to get my opinions across. Uh, a bit about myself, background. Um, I don't know if it's polite to mention my exact age. I'll say middle age, um, single parent to a uh, second grade son He's who's currently being homeschooled at the moment while he's grandmother um on the primary care of my son so um yeah he lives with me which is you know a bit of a rarity but that's the way it is um love being his dad um my background where i grew up was the hunter valley area um i'm broadcasting my first episode from one of the bedrooms in my house in mainland area um i grew up in the coal fields in curry and western went to school out there my my dad was a panel beater. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He was a um, victim of, of cancer um, many years ago. Um, yeah, so he's he's no longer with us. But he was a panel beater and he was, you know, come from a working background as well. My mum pretty much worked all her life in the banking sector. And my older sister, she's a small business owner. She's a beautician um by profession um she unfortunately she's one of the one of the businesses at the moment that's that's been um forced to shut down but anyway we'll we'll get on to that obviously the the big talking point that's been splashed across just about every format of media that you could possibly want to imagine um the coronavirus so i'm not going to get too much into the actual coronavirus or the covid-19 whatever you want to call it not going to dig too much into that i'd like to say a few things about what you know what may or may not happen after it um and you know what good things in that and and what possibilities there might be um to come out of it when it's all said and done um first things first um i think there's a big big opportunity for business obviously there's some losers and, and whatnot the people have been stood down and you know, my sister's got employees that 
that she's had to stand out for obvious reasons. Um, you know, all those people that have unfortunately lined up at Centrelink. But I try to focus on the positive. I think there's an opportunity for big companies like and big you know, big two giants, Woolworths and Coles, to, to step up. Apologies if that text message come through. There you go. That's one interruption. Anyhow, um, yeah, where was I? Woolworths and Coles. Um, big opportunity for them here um, because I think Australia's been selling off yeah, just about everything. We don't manufacture. We sell all our good produce overseas. Um, we don't particularly do well by our farmers. Um, so, yeah, I think those big two, the fact that we've only got two is pretty sad, like Woolworths and Coles in a country of 25 million people. We've got two major supermarket chains, please. That's pretty pathetic. I think we could do with a bit more competition, hopefully some um, locally locally grown competition would be handy. But anyhow, for Woolworths and Coles, there's a big opportunity there for them. I, I think to get a bit of patriotism back in the country and give people the option to buy Australian-made products, I think they could get on board here and, 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 and have a couple of aisles in their stores dedicated to Australian-only products. Australian-made, 100% sourced, everything. Like, there's a bit of confusion around that, I think, if they put two or three, maybe four aisles dedicated wholly and solely to customers that want to come in there and buy only Australian products, I think that's a winner for them. And I think it'll make it easier because we're all time poor, um, make it much easier because who's got the time to itemise every single item when they go to the shopping centre or supermarket or whatever. I myself can't afford to shop at Woolworths and Coles. <laughs> I actually shop at the... The overseas giant, the German one, the, the Aldi, but there are obviously some things in that that they don't have as well that Woolies and Coles tend to have, like um, Golden Circle Beetroot's one of mine. But anyway, well, we won't get into that. We don't want to be seen to be promoting products. Um, and I also think after the this is all said and done, Australia, you know, tourism has a real opportunity here to possibly do something really good. Um, we had the I'll oh, probably gain notoriety overseas. Remember the old Where the Bloody Hell Are You, Lara Bingle saga um, many years ago promoting Australian people to come visit Australia. Well, I think we could do something like that within to promote our own uh, local, within your state or interstate tourism. You know, um, it, would, it, would, it would be good to see some sort of campaign kick off, you know, like maybe a buy local. Um, travel local, holiday local, all that sort of stuff to, to, you know, when small businesses come back online, you know, you're, you're, you're going to those particular areas and you're helping rejuvenate their, their local economy. The other thing that's come out of this is I think we realise that there's a bit of uh, realisation that there's quite a few professions that, you know, fall under the unsung heroes category at the moment. We've got yeah, nurses, all the emergency services, um, the teachers, you know, hospital staff, even, you know, there's some got you get a little bit um, looked looked down upon, but you know, are cleaners of our shopping centres, are cleaners of the work sites, are cleaners, you know, of the hospitals, you know, cleaners of offices, like they're the ones that are 
picking up after us and 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 doing all the dirty work after we've we've long gone home. So um, I think I think these particular people in those professions need to be um, you know tip your hat off to and, and and maybe show a little bit more respect. Maybe you know we have this opinion in 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 Australia that you know sporting heroes you know they won the grand final of, you know or they won the world cup and stuff like that the heroes in sport yeah to a degree um to me a hero isn't someone that wins a world cup in in football a hero is you know a, a man that gave his life for his country in, in, in battle or a hero to me is a, a nurse that went above and beyond down in the emergency department you know a hero to me is someone that you know spends hours countless hours trying to get you know things done in the educational department you know to me they're the they're they're somewhat the unsung heroes maybe we could um have a national day to to recognize those particular people or you know uh, you know with what's happened you know we're upwards of 60 60 odd people that have uh, unfortunately lost their life to the the coronavirus maybe we should look at a, a national day to to recognize and, and mourn them possibly you know a, a little bit sentimental you could make it you know the 19th day of whatever particular month and that was we seem to um we may or may not come out of uh self-isolation or lockdown or whatever you want to call it um Something else that may we may look at eventually doing is these are just my ideas, my opinions. Apologies, I nearly burped then. Anyhow, um, something that may we may look at doing permanently. Why can't we have have more people working from home? I, I recently I travelled down to um, Sydney for 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 a, for a job and. Um, I was driving along Pennon Hills Road on a you know, peak traffic and I couldn't believe it. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. There was no cars on the road. Like I've never, I've driven down Sydney a lot, spent a lot of time on Pennon Hills Road, and I cannot believe I've never ever seen it like that. So maybe there's a there's a bit of a win here for for uh, for companies and and people that want to work from home or can from work from home, you know, on a more permanent basis. Maybe not five days a week. Maybe. They might work from home two or three days a week, and you know they'll, they'll ease up on the traffic um, mess that's, that that gets around the cities. Like I'm sure Melbourne's the same, Brisbane, somewhat the same, but you know having travelled in Sydney and peak hour traffic is is horrendous. You know whether the government wants to do that, or I know they've got their finger in the pie with the tolls and whatnot. They probably want six billion people on the road at the same time paying their exorbitant fees and that to, to drive on their so-called roads the taxpayer funded roads but yeah we're paying for it anyhow won't get into that that's a bit of a negative um yeah where was i headed the you know having these sorts of things on a permanent basis like the the people working from home maybe you know the common sense social distancing when in public places i mean you know common sense hygiene like bang on about it at work in your workplace enforce people that if they're sick you know do not come to work if if someone's sick 
the boss needs to go in there and say, look, you need to go home, you know, rest. We, we don't want you to spread it around, you know, just for the general flu sake. I mean, common sense and, and you know, basic respect for your workmates. If, you, if you've got the wog, then stay at home in bed, you know. Um, go, go to the doctor, you know, you're not going to get sacked if you're, if you're at home in bed sick, surely. Anyhow, what was my next point? Um, right, the sporting, that's right, well, I was going to want to talk about the sporting side of things and how, and how that's been affected. The sporting side of things, I'm a massive footy fan, NRL, AFL, cricket, rugby union, you name it, A-League a little bit, pathetic golfer, but that's not on TV at the moment, um, don't mind fishing, but anyhow. More so the NRL, they've been caught, obviously, with their pants down. They've been exposed. They've got no money. Don't know how you've got no money when, I believe, their last TV rights deal was upwards of a uh, billion dollars. So I don't really know how you how you can um, justify not having any money. Anyhow, I think, you know, it's put a spotlight on the way maybe the sporting organisations are run. I'm not begrudging any of these players or... Anyone earning good coin doing what they do, totally entitled to do so. But, you know, it's highlighted a few things. that It's not not been a, a well-run business and, you know, it's you know, it's brought about a, a pandemic to expose them. So maybe they need to look inwards and maybe they need to trim a bit of the fat that's apparently around the NRL headquarters. Um you know, why you need, I've heard a figure of 400 people working in the NRL headquarters compared to, I think I heard a figure that the EPL, which is the largest sporting, uh, largest football um, league in the world, runs on about 150, 160 people, and you've got upwards of 400 people running the NRL, please. Um, yeah, so I think we need to look at you know, how they're run, you know, to make things better for for society. Because, let's face it, people enjoy their sport. Australia loves sport. We want to see footy on TV. I want to see cricket. I want to see golf. I want to see all those things on TV. Um, but, you know, within reason and not the, the expense, I don't think... Hopefully I can delete that out. Um... If not, too bad, so sad. You'll have to put up with it if you're listening. That's my sister. Yeah, thanks. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, the the way they run, the the way they're managed, maybe the the way um, the governments, yeah. I've totally lost, because of those text messages, I've totally lost my train of, train of thought. I, I, I just hope that that they're, they're not um, exempt from any isolation, lockdown, just because they're a sport. Um, and I don't think they should be entitled to any sort of government funding. You know, they shouldn't be putting their hand out, not when they've got a billion-dollar TV rights deal with, um, with Channel 9. And um, 
Fox or whatever it was. Yeah, so I'd like to see that money better spent. You know, they knocked down Sydney Football Stadium for God knows reason. Oh, I still don't know why. And I heard a figure that they're looking at $800 million to redevelop, knock down, rebuild of, of ANZ Stadium. Well, that's just, you know, that's preposterous. That's a complete waste of money. I don't, I don't know why we build these big stadiums. Nobody, we don't fill them. It's not the Aussie rules. We don't have the MCG that's filled to capacity for home and away games. Like, you know, we've got Suncorp Stadium, which is a, a brilliant stadium. I was up there last year with a mate at the Magic Ground. It was awesome. You know, it was a great few days watching watching the football. Um, I follow the Bulldogs myself. Unfortunately, we lost up there. We got ripped off against the Knights. But I won't go into it. Um, I went down to the first game this year when the Bulldogs played Parramatta at the Bankwest Stadium, the first time there. Great stadium. Why we don't have more of those sorts of stadiums um, built around the country when, you know, I'm sh it look, looks much better on TV when, you, when you're watching it and there's, you know, it's, it's 30, there's 30,000 people sitting in the crowd at Bankwest Stadium or watching the origin at Suncorp and there's 50,000 people there. Why, why do we have an 80,000 seat stadium at ANZ that's never full for grand, or, uh, unless it's grand final day or maybe origin one game a year? Yeah, anyway, won't get into that. That's um, too too much or rambled on about sport. The last couple of things I want to talk about, because I wanted to keep my podcast um, reasonably short without rambling on too much. The next couple of things, well, look, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a huge, huge bugbear of mine. Um, I'm watching it on TV the other day as it happened. Oh, you know, if I was eating my lunch, I would have probably would have, yeah, you know, I probably would have spewed it back up. Um, down in the lunchroom the other day, I'd actually finished my lunch at the time, and I saw, lo and behold, George Pell, a Catholic priest, was released. You know, the footage getting driven into a monastery gated complex in a brand new black Range Rover. You know, ushered into wherever it is he was, you know, whatever you want to call it. I'm not religious. By a couple of nuns. You know, Catholic Church worth upwards of, what, what do I look up one day? $60 billion or something worldwide. I mean, in assets. I mean, you know, I don't believe any of the churches are open at the moment. So, you know, how good's their faith going? Um, You know, we're in a pandemic and... The doors are closed in the churches. I mean, you know, for the people that live and breathe religion, thankfully I don't, um, you know, where do they turn? You know, because everyone's entitled to, you know, have their, you know, have their whatever it is they do, you know, with with their religious things. Anyhow, um yeah, back to George Pell. Uh, yeah, to see him released was you know absolutely disgusting. You know what? I don't want to know about the details. We all read, hear things in the news because it's plastered all over the place. He's been released. He served you know four hundred days of a six year sentence. Yeah, 
is that the going rate for you know being high up in in the Catholic Church you know whatever he's been charged with you know it's absolutely disgusting it's the lowest yeah no words can describe it um, the fact that he walked out of jail is absolutely preposterous whether he's done it himself or not doesn't matter he's known about it They're, they all know about it you know it goes right to the top they all know about it they all dismiss it they're all sorry but you know what they're all guilty in one way or another they're all guilty you know they've destroyed people's lives these people that do these things you know and it's a knock-on effect it's absolutely horrendous you know but but still they're worth 60 billion dollars you know they've got assets all through the country they've probably got you know i would say they've probably got certain politicians in their pockets you know really it's quite pathetic the other thing where our justice system has failed was the, the detective that was charged and fined the other day during the week or whatever it was on the news for illegal tape recordings in the William Tyrrell case. Please. That's pathetic. Here's a bloke trying to do his job. I don't know the details, but I'm just seeing what, you know, throwing my opinion out there. Yeah, so what? Ill-informed, whatever you want to think. Um... I'm allowed to, and I'm going to. <laughs> um, I don't care. Like, he's a guy trying to do his job. So what if the the recordings are uh, illegal? Who cares? Who, who honestly? Who cares if if it get, brings about the the conviction or someone getting caught or someone being charged over what's happened to that that little boy? Who cares? So what? Get it done. We don't care how if if someone if you if you if you need to bend the rules, twist the rules to to make sure you get a conviction or you get a charge against someone, you know what New South Wales Police Force go for it, go for it, and I beg any lunchroom table conversation, any water fountain conversation, any smoke break conversation at a job site, any you know retail store where they're you know, on their lunch break, sitting around having a coffee, throw that in there as a, um, as a discussion and see what answer you get. You know, 90% of the answer will be, you know, a good, good on him, good on him. You know? And um, in regards to George Pell, well, most people will be saying, well, yeah, he should be in jail and he should be rotting in jail as far as I'm concerned, um, people like that. Anyhow, I think that just about wraps it up. I'll give you a heads up on what, what I'm going to do in my next episode. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, the fantastic country that we live in, 25 million people. We've got three free commercial TV stations to choose from, 7, 9 and 10. And what a fantastic job that they're doing with programming such as the Block, My Kitchen Rules, MasterChef, what's that one, Married at First Sight, Bachelor, Farmer Wants a Wife, you name it. You have got a conglomerate of rubbish TV, reality TV, whatever you want to call it. If, if it's the 
cheapest, lowest form. I don't know how it gets ratings because they're all plastered with it. Meanwhile, real Australian production TV shows, yeah, in comparison, probably suffering. There's no work for, you know, there's no real avenue for young up-and-coming actors, musicians or whatever, extras, whatever you want to when you want to call it, get started in the industry. At the moment that I see on these three stations, there's three TV shows that are homegrown. The obvious one, Home and Away, Neighbours and Doctor Doctor that I know of. Well, I'm sure there's more on Fox and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, I, I, I don't have Fox myself. You know, can't afford it. Not interested in it. Um, you know, it's pretty poor. It's pretty poor that there's... That there's that these three stations, major stations, are pulverised with reality TV. What's the other one? Survivor. I mean, please. It's. You know, I don't know that that that's a legitimate form of entertainment. Like, if if it is for you, then, and you're listening and you love it, then good luck to you. Everybody's entitled to their choice, but to me, it's absolute tripe. Um, um, a bit like. Yeah, I have my opinions on certain things on Facebook and all that sort of stuff too. Like, but anyhow, we'll, we won't go into it too much because I want to elaborate more on that on those things and maybe take the Mickey out of them a little bit in the next episode. Um, if there's anyone out there listening, a working class person, thank you for listening. Um, again, my name's Chad. This is Blue Collar Perspective, and I hope. Sincerely hope you've got something out of it. I'm going to post this my first episode. I tried editing um, another episode to post as my first, but I ended up stuffing it up. So I've had to redo this whole thing, and um, I'm just going to publish it, and um, we'll go from there. And hopefully some people out there will like it. Um, And if not, then that's your choice. We do live in, in a democracy. Um, and the fantastic choices of government that we have in this country, it's a bit like our fantastic three commercial TV stations in a country of 25 million people. We've got two choices of government. Isn't that... That's, that's fantastic. Anyhow, that's me just rambling on at the end of this episode. Anyway, I hope you got something out of episode one, Blue Collar Perspective. This is Chad. I'll see you next time. Bye.